God, we do believe that you are the way and the truth and the life. God, even in the shadow of death, and there is a lot of death around us, there's a lot of death in our lives. We see the effects of death and decay, brokenness. We proclaim you as the way and the truth and the life, the resurrection and the life. And so, Lord, help us uh, build our faith today, not just in our minds, but with our bodies, with our lives, that we would trust you with the very real things that we face, even in the shadow of death. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We can sit down if you'd like, or you can keep standing all night if you'd like, whatever. Awesome. Well, we got a keyboard, so that was good. That was good, man. A keyboard in under like five minutes. That was good. All right, we're going to jump into John 11, and um, I'm just going to look. I want you to hold those, uh, those people, those situations where you're seeing death, where you're seeing dying in your life. And again, this can be very real, right? I know that there's people, even in this room, Aurelia, I was just talking to Aurelia, her mom's in the hospital. There's, um, this is something very real. Uh, in a season of coronavirus, 400,000 people in the U.S. alone have died. And many more have been sick, many of us in this room, right? And um, including me, so I'm not contagious, so my mask is off. <laughs> I know I'm making. <laughs> I love it, Robert. I love it. I'm glad you're here. All right. So in the shadow of death, in the shadow of death, 400,000 people die in the shadow of death of your relationships, in the shadow of death of your, in your marriage, in the shadow of death, uh, wherever you're whatever you're experiencing, whatever you see in the shadow of death of our, of, our, of our neighborhood, of our community, of our city, as we see people struggling, as we see people um, facing death and under the tyranny of death. Death is a tyrant. We, we proclaim that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Can you say that with me? That Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he doesn't stand idly by in the face of death. Jesus isn't passive in the face of death and dying. Jesus isn't passive in the face of decay and the tyrant of death. John 11, I'm going to read that whole passage again just so we get it. I'm just kidding, not really. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, this is Martha, she's just lost her brother. Her brother has been dead for four days. Jesus comes to her and he says, I am the resurrection, and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This is what he asks. He, asks with this, he leads with this question. Do you believe this? And my question for you, as you hold that death and dying, um, that is in your life, that you see in your neighborhood, that you see present. Do you believe this? Do you believe Jesus coming to you and saying, I am the resurrection and the life? 
I just want to point out a couple things from this passage. But first, I was we were talking to uh, the Luhans the other day, and she was, I don't know if you heard uh, last weekend's podcast on a weekend edition podcast. I didn't have one this weekend, but last weekend, we interviewed Tiara and um, Maribeth Troyer as they are trauma nurses in the trauma ER at UNM. And uh, I was talking to Tiara actually in a different conversation, and she was telling me this story of this family, this family um, from the reservation, this woman who uh, Tiara was trying to get permission to put her, I think, on an incubator, if I remember that right. She needed permission. She said, who can I call? Can I call your um, brother? She said, no, he's died of COVID. Can, you, can I call your sister? No, he's in, she's in the hospital on the other side with COVID. Can I call your mom? She's died of COVID. All of her family had died of COVID or had it currently and was unable to give the clearance. So that's a very real story from someone we really know in our city. And that's just one story among many hundreds of thousands uh, this is this time we're living in right now. This is a nation-wide uh, trauma, really. We live in the shadow of death, and that's on top of everything that you continue to experience in your life. It's not like normal hard things have ceased during coronavirus, right? We still have our stuff. We still have our relationship problems. We still have death and dying in uh, various other ways. We still have our addictions. We still have our um, pain. We still have our trauma. We still have all of this that we're carrying with us on top of it. And in the shadow of death, Jesus proclaims that he is the resurrection and the life, and that his loving presence is resurrecting all that is dead and dying in our life. His resurrecting presence is resurrecting all that is dead and dying in our neighborhood. His resurrecting life and presence is resurrecting all that is dead and dying in our country and in our world. This is what Jesus has done on the cross. This is what Jesus has done through resurrection. This is what Jesus is presently doing. He is presently the resurrection and the life, and he is resurrecting all that is dead and dying in our life. I just want to put out a couple things from this passage. Uh, not going to be long. And Carolyn, would you mind pushing record if you haven't already? Have you already? Oh, good. Because that first part was all right. All right. Just kidding. We're going to jump in here. Um, and the scriptures here. First, verses five and six. I just want to point out uh, four things from this passage. I'm just going to walk through this. First of all, verses five and six. The first point is the presence of death in your life does not indicate the level of God's love for you. I say that the presence of death in your life does not indicate the level of God's love for you. Look at this in verse five. Now, Jesus loved, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. 
Did anyone catch that the first time around? He loved Martha. He loved her sister. He loved Lazarus. So since he loved him so much, he stayed two days longer where he was and didn't go and try to do anything or try to get there. That's a very, that's interesting. I think when we're experiencing death and dying and we're, we're asking Jesus, just like Mary and Martha, they sent for Jesus, come, come to us. Lazarus is dying. And it says he loved them and then he stayed. He didn't go. And so I know, and I can't explain it, we'd have to read way between the lines and probably get into some trouble trying to explain exactly why Jesus did not go and heal Lazarus or go and be with them in their death. But we know that his reasons weren't uh, based on his love for them because it says he loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. I think when we experience delay, when we experience God's delay, and when he doesn't come through very quickly or seemingly at all, we start to question, does God care? Does God love? Is God present? And here we see that that's not the case. The presence of death in your life or the delay of God in your life is not an indication of God's level of love. He loves you. We've heard it said, I love how this names Martha, her sister, and Lazarus by name. So we hear all the time, God loves everyone, but God loves each one as well. God loves everyone, and he loves each one. He loves Robert. We all knew that already. He loves Kim. He loves Chris. He loves Joel. He loves Julie. He loves Kading. He loves Jameson. I'm not going to name everyone. He loves Rain. He loves everyone, but he also loves each one. And by name, God's delay is not an indication of his level of love. We experience death and dying in the presence of God's love, not despite it. Does that make sense? You with me a little bit? All right. Verses 17 following. Here's when Jesus now, here's the deal. Jesus and God, revealed in Jesus, does not remain distant from death. He doesn't remain distant. He doesn't remain detached in the face of death. He comes right into the middle of death's destruction. Verse 17, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. He's coming into the, 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 the middle of mourning, of grief, of death, and he's not remaining distant, right? He's not writing a sympathy card. He's not shooting an email from a distance. He is going there. He is stepping into the awkwardness. He's stepping into the tears. He's stepping into the awkward conversations at a funeral, all the hard feelings that are happening right there. He comes into the midst of it. He also goes in, going back to the first point, he goes into the difficult conversations. He opens himself up to Mary and Martha's questions. Where were you? Why didn't you come? If you would have come, Lazarus would not have died. He comes into the middle of death and the shadow of death, 
And he opens himself up. He makes himself available to the questions, to the hard questions. Jesus doesn't remain distant. He comes to us. He comes right into the weeping. He comes right into the mourning. He comes right into the, all, the, all the pain of that. He is our co-sufferer. He's our co-sufferer. He feels this. And this lumps into verse 33, 35, and 38. We see not only that Jesus is not distant from suffering. He walks in to the middle of it. He doesn't, he, Jesus is not unmoved by death. This is the most famous or shortest. Everyone has memorized the verse of the Bible today. And it is this, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. In verse 33, um, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he was deeply moved. Verse 35, Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. And then verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. So in some religions and in some uh, even uh, theologies in Christianity, we, uh, God is seen as detached, is emotionally like impassive. Like he can't, he just, he just is there. And our, our imagination for God, if we do believe that God has emotions, we typically, the only imagination we have is that he's angry, right, with us? That he's angry. He's going to like throw a couple lightning bolts down if we take a misstep. But here, the God revealed in Jesus, we see Jesus deeply moved by death. Uh, he is moved to the point of tears. He is weeping. Now, this word move, deeply move, that is used twice, you've probably heard this before, is actually this word, it can mean angry. It can mean like angry at the, in your bowels, in your gut. When he sees death, when he sees mourning, he gets angry because death is the enemy. Death is not a friend. Death is the enemy. And death is what God conquers in Jesus Christ. Death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Right? It is no more. Jesus has come to defeat death. And he gets angry at death's destruction. And so whatever you're holding to, the death that you're experiencing in your life, that you have experienced in your life, those that you have lost, that the death and decay and the dying that you're experiencing, this makes Jesus sad and angry because he doesn't like the pain. He's angry at the pain. Some people say he's angry at the lack of faith. I don't see it that way. I think he's angry at death and the havoc that it's wreaking and the pain that it's wreaking. So Jesus comes into the midst of death. He comes into it, and he's moved deeply. And this last, last point here, God revealed in Jesus, he isn't passive in the face of death. He doesn't just come and cry. He doesn't just come and get angry. He moves in the face of death. He opposes death. He's actively and presently at work against death and dying. He goes to the tomb. And he proclaims, he confronts death. But before that, he does, he does uh, something before the miracle, right? And this is what we want. We want the miracle. We want the resurrection. But, and Jesus brings that. 
But before he brings the miracle, he's still present and at work. He's not passive. Look at the conversation. with where were you jesus if when lazarus was sick why weren't you here he has a conversation and processes with martha mary martha and he has a conversation and processes with the disciples see god is present and at work when we are in the shadow of death when we're in the shadow of coronavirus when we're in the shadow of all of the death and dying that we are surrounded by this is an opportunity it's revealing things about ourselves. It's revealing where our hope lies. It's revealing do we, where are we with Jesus. It's revealing all the stuff. And God, Jesus, is right there processing all of that with them in the face of death. But he's also going to confront death. I remember uh, I was at a funeral of Joanna's cousin, Rowdy. He was uh, 31 years old, and he died in his sleep of a brain aneurysm. His daughter was in the um, uh, house with him at five years old, and she's the one who finally found him and called 911 that morning. And so I remember being at the funeral, and his dad uh, is a pastor, Joanna's uh, uncle, and he preached the sermon, and it was it was, it was brutal. But I remember him standing up and he preached this passage. And with tears in his eyes, he said, when Jesus comes to death, when he comes face to face with death, he does not remain passive. He speaks against death. He opposes death. He conquers death. He resists death. He's angry at death. And this is what we see with Jesus. Jesus, angry, grieved, walks up to the tomb and calls out to Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. And he's resurrected. He's resurrected from the dead. So Jesus comes to our death and dying and he, wants, he speaks resurrection life. Now, notice, Lazarus had died four days. Four days they had waited. There's stuff in your life that's dying, and there's, I know there's people and situations that have died. I don't speak this lightly. Jesus is coming, continuing to come with his resurrection life. And his promise is resurrection. His promise is resurrection. When he returns, there will be resurrection. And he is resurrecting and, and bringing to life the things that you're losing hope, the things that are dying in your life. And as the church, and this is the, I just want to end with this, as the church, as the people who follow Jesus, we follow Jesus already present and at work in the neighborhood, already present and at work in the hospital, already present and at work in our children's lives, already present and at work in our life. The work of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, is a resurrecting, life-giving, life-restoring presence. And we follow Jesus, and we work with Jesus in that same way. And so I want you to, um, I, I want us to see Jesus coming uh, 
his shadow, you know, imagine being Lazarus right in that tomb and you're dead. But maybe you can see. I don't know how that worked. At some point he had to see. And he sees the, sh- the shadow of Jesus, you know, filling up the hole of the tomb. As the- and you hear Jesus call, Lazarus, come out. You know, come out. He's calling you out. And with Jesus, we call one another out. When we see death and dying and the effects of death and dying, brokenness and pain, we get to proclaim the good news that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And we can work with Jesus to renew and restore what um, sin, Satan, and death is destroying. So Jesus is present with you. Jesus' love is at work with you. Jesus is crying and angry with you. Jesus is open to your questions and your doubts and your concerns as you live in the shadow of death. And Jesus is not standing passively by in the face of death. He is working resurrection power. And you may see the fruit of that in this life, or you may see it in the life that will continue with Jesus' return. But it's coming. So let's pray and uh, finish with this song, and we'll take communion, and we will be done.